Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to episode 127 of the Whiskey and Whitetails podcast, the podcast for those that love good whiskey and the great outdoors. As always, thank you to the Waypoint Network for having us. Thank you to our Patreons for your, their support. And don't forget to use code podcast at whiskeyandwhitetails.com to save 20% off of our bourbon barrel products and game calls. As always, I'm your host, Gus. I'm Matt. Today we got a really good episode with VPA Archery. We got Alex, Ryan, and Jeff on here, and we talk about everything kind of from the beginnings of the company through some of the uh, different products they're making, and it's a really good episode. There's a lot of good information in there, especially if you're looking into different broadhead technologies. Yep, we get uh, a little bit into the mechanical versus fixed broadhead debate, which is always a good one, so enjoy. Send that hate mail. <laughs> yeah, send the hate mail. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. We are with Vantage Point Archery today. We have Alex, Ryan, and Jeff joining us. Guys, welcome to the show. And lady. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Happy to be here. Awesome. So Alex, the marketing manager, Ryan in sales. And Jeff, are you the uh, OG machinist? No, no. That, we would have some screwed up broadheads. If I <laughs> but me and Ryan and another partner own it. Okay, nice. All right, good to know. I'll make that note. Cool. All right. Yeah. All right. So I figured we could start with some of the, like the beginnings. I know that that's, that's the least favorite part of the conversation. You have to tell people all the time, but our listeners may not be aware. So you, uh, you owned a machine shop before and it kind of branched off, right? Yeah. So we still own the machine shop. That's absolute machining. And it's been around for 24 years now. Um, so VPA started our head machinist, Jeff Miller, which is, he's still with us, wanted to make his own broadhead. Um, he just saw a need for, for something more durable in the market and better, better for him to go out and shoot personally. And so he machined one and, and gave it to his friends and it kind of just spun off from there and really word of mouth. And then the past couple of years we've started selling online and, and getting an archery shops across the world, really. And that's your job, Alex, to market all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is a catch all. We, we abuse her a little bit, but we actually bought the place five years ago, just by happenstance, um, Ryan and his family owned an insulation company. I came over here looking for some parts to be machined, met the group, walked in and thought, man, this thing's underutilized. Then they showed me the archery side and I started doing the calculations about you know, what you could make and what our capabilities are. And in the last four years, we've at least doubled every year. And last year we quadrupled and it's just really getting out and showing that we've got a, it's a great product. It flies well. It's made in the U S it's one piece. So you don't have the variation. It's not made out of a die casting or injected metal or anything. It's just a durable, well-made piece of equipment. And that's, it sells itself once you start shooting. It really does. It's, I was looking at, we, we are obviously bow hunters and uh, we were looking at stuff. This was probably, I don't know, a year. it was over a year ago now because I used them last season for, uh -huh. and I was already pretty familiar with Anyway, I bought, I ended up buying a double bevel 125 grain. I bought vintage setup from y'all, the high carbon seal. And the reason I did it is because of the, the 55 Rockwell. And I know that that edge won't chip. It'll roll. So it's like, and I knew that they're, they're a little higher entry point to get into your broadheads. But if, if I can keep reusing them, because like if I, if I shoot a hog with it, and it rolls the edge and doesn't chip it, I can just straighten it out again 
and throw it right back on another arrow. And so for me that that was how I that was my entry level. And I've put that I've put that rod head. I got I think about four, mm-hmm. and I've I've put them into signposts. I've put them in, <laughs> into trees. I mean, <laughs> you name it. I've probably struck something with it, and I I still have all four, and they're in good shape. Yeah, we actually where was it right in ATA or one of the shows? A uh, a guy came over and had a young kid with him. I think the guy was probably in his late sixties, early seventies, and he had a kid that was probably fourteen, fifteen, and he. I was talking to him and he said, Hey, I want to show you something. And he handed his grandson his first set of VPAs he bought. And he says, this kid's third generation is going to shoot these. And it's not like it's, you know, a hundred years ago that he got them, but it's just kind of neat that people are thinking, Hey, I can buy these and I don't have to go buy them every year or, you know, I'm, we're going to beat a little bit on the mechanicals, but they're a one and done. You shoot a signpost with that. Just don't even go look for it. Right. Just take it off your, your shaft and go do something else for ours. You shoot a signpost, you laugh about it, wish you'd have shot better, or maybe you're shooting at the signpost, you pull it off, shot, <laughs> off, shot off, you go again. Yep. My bounce, I just, I hit the wrong thing and it bounced up and hit the uh, do not shoot here signpost. It was at a range. <laughs> <laughs> but what are you going to do? Uh, but yeah, the I, I, there's a leather company and their motto is, uh, when you're dead, your family will fight over this bag or whatever. You guys should you guys should find a version of that. <laughs> <laughs> I want dad's broadheads when he yeah. dies. Yeah, I want my kids to fight over my broadheads. <laughs> yeah. Probably not the most po- profitable concept we have is that you can reuse them. But again, it's not all about profit, right? We want to make money, but we want to make a good product that we're, people are proud to shoot. We're the blue-collar people. You know, you say the blue collar guys, but there's a ton of women and kids that shoot it too. So mm-hmm. blue collar, we think we're right there in the middle on price and we give you the best value for your buck. Yep. And we agree. And we do the kind of same thing with the, I know you guys are super proud of being U.S. made and like all of our products are U.S. made by us here in Charleston. And same thing. It's like we don't make stuff to be replaced. We make it to, to last. Yeah. And so not the best business model. We don't have a reason for you to come back and buy something else later unless it's a gift. But people do you know, word of mouth, they tell them, Hey, this is a great product. And, and I've done the same thing with, with, I don't even remember. We have mutual friends. I think that somebody, yeah, Chris from trekking outdoors, right? That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that turned me on to it then. But yeah, they, yep. I love them. I think they're great. And uh, I'm probably going to go. That's one thing we can talk about. So the single, so I bought the double bevel. So the single bevel is more, you know, and I have a right spinning arrow. So I want a right edge. I get that. But you guys sell more single barrels than doubles. Have you noticed? Yeah, I got that. We do right now. It kind of trended that way last year towards the the start of hunting season where everything like to, from 200, 200 grains down, the 200 grain actually took the number one spot last year as far as most sold heads. Um, this year, believe it or not, the 125 single bevel right is tracking number one. Um, and then the 150s. And that was our new launch for this year was a single bevel 125 right and left. Um, I think it will probably carry the year, but we'll see. Um, you never know with the, with the FOC guys, what they're going to jump up to or what kind of crazy things are going to come out and what, what they actually want to put on up front. Yeah. Front of center. Those are interesting people. It's uh, we, we talked about, we just got done doing a huge archery series. It was two episodes about just the history of archery and technology. Um, but maybe this would be a good time for you to explain if somebody calls in and says, Hey, I have a right spinning arrow, you know, what kind of weight should I use as a compound bow? Like, wh- how do you lo- lead people into the – because, you know, for us, we do a ton of research on our specific setup. But just speaking in generalities, what kind of advice would you give people on that? I had a guy uh, – three guys walked in this morning. We were kind of talking about that right there. Like, well, I'm shooting at 475 last year. I want to go down to four – I was shooting five, 575 last year. I want to go down in the, the four high 480s and shoot around 300 FPS. Um what can I go with? <laughs> this is kind of like, well, the sky's the limit, right? But if you want something lighter, you're going to have to go with 125 or lighter. I don't get many guys saying, hey, um, I want to take off FOC. That's one thing I don't get more. It's always more on the other, like, hey, I want to add FOC. And that's an easy conversation for us in this single pack that, like, man, we like shooting FOC. We like blowing shoot through shoulders. We like causing the amount of damage that we do with the broadhead. It's fun. It's fun when you whack them and they just thump and it's cool. Um, 
Jeff will go ahead, Jeff. I was just gonna argue on this one a little bit. He's like, <laughs> I want 300 grades up front and I'm gonna kill everything real big. And I'm like, dude, come on. And I'm the other side where it's like, I want something lighter and be faster. I think you add that weight to the front and they know they've been hit and it, it we're all about the ethical kill. We want to make sure what you shoot's dead and it doesn't suffer. Yep, and I get that too because you see stuff like that was one of the things watching Fred Bear growing up, and and a lot of people didn't want to archery hunt because they're like, "Why well, don't want to shoot something and go look for it tomorrow morning?" Like, I want it, I want to know it's dead now. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, "Well, there's even states that have outlawed some types of archery because of that." And then I've, we've been on lottery hunts where they're like, "Well, this is a rifle only because it's more ethical." We don't yeah. want you losing deer. And it's like, who is still shooting arrows? That they're going to lose a deer. Like you're shooting the wrong thing, for sure. So I agree with you on that. Um, but if if somebody wanted to outfit their arrow, what would your opinion be? Man, I am a I'm a ethically yeah ethically, I'm a, a single bevel guide. Uh, I went that way last year. Um, started at the 200. I'm down to 150 now. Um, I like, I love the cut pattern in the corkscrew of a single bevel. I think just the damage through the, through the cavity is amazing. Um, I don't really see that. I get that. We do get that whole side of guys are like, Hey, I want a bigger blood trail. And I'm like, so if the deer drops with a single bevel in 30 yards and you see it drop, why do you need a blood trail? And they're like, well, I guess I really don't need one. And I'm like, yeah, but on the same, on the same side, guys want that that bigger hole with a three blade. So I'll go down that way. I'm not trying to talk them out of anything. I'm just giving them the knowledge that we have and letting them make that decision. Cause I don't, when it comes down to it, um, they're the ones taking the shot. I don't have to, I don't have to place that shot for them. They're taking it. I just want to know that our broadhead's going to do what it's going to say to do. Our integrity is huge here. If it says it's going to do what it's going to do, it better do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but you know, as a, as a consumer, when, when you read on a package or you see advertising and it says it's going to do something, you, you want to get what you're paying for. Right. And I've, yeah. I've experimented with, you know, both of us have experimented with tons of broadheads over the years and, you know, the mechanical broadheads, you know, we're not huge fans. They, they have repeatedly failed or um, caused more problems, you know, than anything else. And then the processor that we use, if we, if we take stuff to a processor, he hates it because oftentimes they get him, you know, buried in there. They don't come out and you know, that's dangerous for them. So, um, yeah, having a product that does exactly what it's, what it says is worth its weight in, you know, worth its weight in gold. You talked about having something, um, that is, you know, the integrity for your company and then, you know, selling a product that doesn't necessarily bring, uh, repeat customers because they last so long. They're so durable. Um, sometimes I think that's the whole point of the mechanical broadhead space is just to make, you know, make you come back and buy another four, four broadheads for 70 bucks, you know, every year. Um, I got two kids that, that, that hunt a third that's getting to that point. And that's, that's a lot of broadheads to go through each year. So <laughs> I would prefer to have something that lasts a lot longer. We actually had a mechanical company come and ask us to make their ferrules. And we looked at it and we said, all right, we're, we're interested in making your ferrules, but we want a long-term contract. They said, no, no, no. Just so we can get our Chinese supply back. So we backed out. But you, you think about, and the other comment they made is why do you make yours so durable? It, it limits how many you can sell. Well, that's, we don't buy from China and we make them so they last. And that's just, if I buy something, unfortunately, I don't think consumer markets like that. Now, when you go buy a fridge, you buy a car, I, I got to believe they're built to fail, you know, because, you you know, 10,000, as soon as your warranty runs out, shit starts falling apart mm-hmm. right? and you got to stand back and wonder what's going on. But with, with ours, we're, we're trying to look at it different. The things that we will guarantee is our broadhead is fully opened on impact and on the way through and fully open. Because you you know, Ryan makes a point is it's you're only as good as you shoot. So we tell people when you buy our broadheads, practice with our broadheads. It's not a field point. A broadhead does not fly like a field point does, a target point. So make sure you're out there shooting them, you understand where you're shooting. What we're saying, and Ryan made the point about it, and why I like FOC is nobody's perfect. You're going to miss from time to time, right? We're just saying that if you miss forward and you go, th- you hit a shoulder, we're going through. We're, you're still going to go find that deer. Mm-hmm. The ones I hate, we laugh, you go watch these videos and it'll be the, the big names that shoot mechanicals. They're out there. They shoot it at dusk or they shoot it at four in the afternoon. They don't even go look. They go back and watch their video and 
look at their shot placement. They're great archers. I'm not cutting that down, but they question too. They don't do it on video, but their question, did that open up? Did I get a good blood trail? Is it, but they're not looking 30 to 50 yards out because they know that thing's going to run. They're hoping it opened up. They're hoping it did its job, but there's that question. We want the, the people like trekking that shoot it, you know, talk till it gets dark, get down the tree and walk out and go look for it. They're not worried about going two days later. They're not, you know, they know that they can hit that point. They watch the impact. They might watch it, but they know that that broadhead did its job and they're going to walk over and do it. You add FOC to that. I, I shoot 300 on the front of mine and I have a bad shoulder. So I only shoot about 56 pounds. I can hear them. I went turkey hunting yesterday with a 300 grain three blade and I'm shooting 686 and it's only a turkey, but it's, you're going to know I hit it because it's going to do somersaults when that thing impacts it. <laughs> That's what we want to see. <laughs> yeah. I had uh well, I just, you were talking about, you know, mechanical broadheads and questioning whether they opened or whether it was a good shot. My, my oldest son's first deer, uh, you know, he shot several years ago. We were sitting in a blind um, and that mechanical broadhead didn't open and it did not cause a, a significant enough wound to kill the deer. We got it on trail camera a couple of days later, uh, still, you know, fine. But that was the disappointment in, in my son's, the tears in his eyes and his disappointment was enough for me at that point to say, you know what, I'm done with mechanical broadheads. Um, that was, like I said, that was years ago before we had done the kind of research we've done now, but I haven't used a mechanical, bro mechanical broadhead since that. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure he was more disappointed, but man, it crushed me seeing how, how upset he was. Um, and that's not a lesson, you know, you want to have to teach a kid. It, it's important when hunting, you, you gotta, you gotta teach that there's things like this are going to happen, but, uh, when it can be avoided, uh, by using proper equipment, that's, that's definitely, um, something you want to avoid, but you were going to say something. Yeah. I was going to go back to the the practice with the field tips and it's that's one of the biggest things you see in archery is people will do field tips and then throw broadheads on it and be like it doesn't uh it doesn't line up and then the advice is like oh just move your sights a little bit and it's like no that's that's actually really terrible advice don't do that you should practice with what you're going to shoot um and there are ways to get field tips and broadheads kind of close depending on how you tune the bow but it's always going to be a little bit different, but you want to make sure that your broadheads are hitting in the same spot and you're getting a grouping as opposed to it being one's too high, one's too left, one's too low. So the fact that you can use your tips and then just resharpen them, to me that's another huge benefit that you're not getting from a lot of different broadhead companies. You know, you're getting yeah. this. We, we talk about these fixed broadheads and then there's always comments about, well, you just don't know how to shoot the mechanicals. I, I love the story of your, your son, but you're going to get people come back. Well, it was your kid and blah, blah, blah. It's variation, right? Everything about statistics is taking out variation. And if that's one other thing, that's a variable in your shot placement or your kill, just take it out, you know, take out the mechanical piece. And I get why they do it. It's, it's so you get the weekend warrior that goes out there on Friday night, he's going hunting Saturday morning, runs over to Walmart, buys a bunch of mechanicals, throws them on. They shoot just like his target tips. That's really not who we're targeting. We want we want the people that are ethical, that practice, that have good shot placement. That Because, you know, at the end of the day, God gave us that creature. We need to treat it ethically. If you're going to harvest it, harvest it ethically, not just what's convenient. Well, and there is a huge movement going that way, too. So we like educating people on that. And I know Ryan gets a lot of questions, too, like at a trade show. Oh, I've been shooting XYZ mechanical for however many years now, and they never failed me. And it's like, okay, well, I'll talk to you next year once you've had a different experience. And how do you know they didn't fail you? You, you got the deer, but did most people don't do a postmortem. We like to look at our wounds, right? Yep. See what it's <laughs> sick that way. We do it too. We, I just, I've got a friend that shoots um, mechanical, and he does it too. And he's he uses I think the the Rage hypodermics or something. But like I I'll argue with him pretty. It's I'm talking about um, Ortiz. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll argue with him pretty often about it. But he he does he just to prove me wrong. He'll go and he'll do. He'll pull the whole cavity out and he'll show like the heart's completely gone, Matt. What does that mean? You know? And I'm like, all right. I get it, but there there could come a day where that rage doesn't open. But he's a blood trail guy. He likes to show you the blood all over the trees and all this stuff. And it's you know, it's I'm glad he's out there hunting and he I'm glad he's providing food for his family and I'm glad he's found something that works. But but just as you said, just the the chance that that broadhead could 
that a mechanical broadhead wouldn't work right. Yeah. There's just that chance, and it's a chance I'm not going to take. I spend hours in a tree stand, yeah. and then I shoot it, and it doesn't open. Yeah, I just, I just, much, I feel way better. And we've done a lot of research over the years on just doing fixed blades. Yeah, I, I tell you what, like blood trails are cool, but what's cooler is uh, watching your the deer fall and getting it in the truck within a half hour and getting yeah. back to a cold beer within within an hour, yeah. hour and a half, and not spending all night looking for a deer. That's a lot cooler to me. Yeah. I, I love the YouTubers that go through, and not just YouTubers, the guys that do the tests, and they'll they'll take all these broadheads and they shoot them through. <laughs> a piece of plywood or something, whatever their, their fixed is, should be a bone, but whatever their fixed is. And then, you know, then they take them all through and they get all the way through to where they're shooting them through the gallon jug with pink stuff in it. And even the ones that didn't penetrate, they're shooting through and say, well, look at the blood trail. He gets a 10 on the blood trail. Well, crap. If it didn't go through the plywood, who cares if it goes through the, the milk jug? Yeah. See, ours didn't go through the plywood or whatever you shoot it through. It's, you know, maybe not armor plating, but it goes through whatever that is. And then you worry about the blood trail. Some of these, that they, they can't make it through, you know, a wet paper sack. And then they're showing you that it it, it has this great blood trail. It's, it, they've got to coexist, right? You can't make it through the bone. It's not going to get into the cavity to create a blood trail. So that's the other thing we see. We were down at the, uh, I think it was the Dallas Safari Club, and we met up with the Ashby Foundation group, and we're walking through watching videos and how many of these, it was a lot of African uh, hunts that we were watching, and it would go in and hit the rib cage. You could watch the arrow veer down, run the rib cage around the skin, and out the other side. So it's hitting that bone, and it's veering off and bouncing. We'll send you videos where it, it's going through. We got, we sent some with Ashby, or Ashby took some of ours. We didn't send them with them. Double penetration through Cape Buffalo. You know, and it's not just ours. There's other fixed blades, but you think about that, how thick that is, Cape Buffalo. Our favorite one is hogs. You hit that shoulder blade on yeah, a hog. Yeah, that blade on a hog. They'll deflect almost every arrow. We got, we're getting double pass through. So that's what we're talking about. We're, we're going to go with the science, right? Not the COVID science, but <laughs> archery science. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. I, I don't say trust the science anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I do trust your archery science. I'll, 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 trust, I'll trust that. Cool. Um, you guys have had, so I feel like the, the archery industry has done sort of a, but particularly when it comes to like whitetail and smaller game, we've gone through this, this period where, you know, mechanical broadheads were, were all the, all the rage, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, and, you know, and, and, and now we're circling back where people are realizing kind of seeing the light, but I feel like that has has been less, maybe less of an uh, of, a, of a thing with larger game like elk hunting things like that. Do you guys see the same thing uh, where where folks that are hunting that larger game doing maybe the safari type stuff, while they're, they're some of them are using mechanical that a large portion or a large contingency of that that community has has stayed with with the the uh, fixed blade not not using mechanicals. Is that something you guys have seen, or is that just a weird observation on my part? I think it's a weird observation. I, I get I get a, a ton of those calls of guys even out west. Like if they're hunting, like they still want a solid one piece head. Um, I don't. I think that's a great observation. Um, I don't get I don't get much of the hey I'm switching to go out west. I get more of the hey this is what I want to go with this grain weight this year. Can you steer me in the right direction? I'm like sure. Yeah, we we talk to people when they say what do you shoot turkeys with, and Ryan laughs at me because. 300 grain. What do you shoot uh, whitetail with? 300 grain. What do you shoot elk with? 300. I don't switch. I don't. I don't get the whole idea of. I, I change my setup by species, right? I just get. Again, it's about shot placement, getting good and repetitive with what you shoot, and then once you feel good about it, shoot it. Now, I just got a one of our friends owns Dart and Archery. Got me some bows, and we're setting those up, and I'm going lighter. I'm still going to be over 500 grains total, but a lighter single bevel on those just so we can try out everything. Um, but I think when you talk about who's doing mechanicals, I don't know. You got some people that are diehard mechanical and they've had good luck with them. But I also think if you, when we get people to argue with us, always kind of follow the money. Who's sponsoring them? Where's the money coming from? Why they say that? Who's linked to who? Because sometimes it's about just moving your product and, you know, unfortunately, people say whatever they want to say, so they sell the product. Maybe not because it's the best, and that's Jeff Stringer's opinion. 
it's an opinion that makes sense. We see it all the time. Like, why is this guy so hard on him about this? And then, yeah. then you realize, oh, I'd like to thank so-and-so. And it's like, oh, that's why I figured it out. It's just like the news. Like, uh, this is brought to you by Pfizer. Uh, tur- the turkey spur design. You said you used the same. We got, we got to, you said you used the same setup for everything. Do you use your turkey spurs? I, I use them on the dart and bow. I don't use them on my other bow that I won't mention the name, but I don't use it on my other bow. Yeah. I use three blades. Again, just consistency. You know, mm-hmm. the, the goal is, is we're, we're pretty loyal. We're going to, the guys that shoot our stuff that we do business with that are good ethical people like Randy Kitts that owns Black Eagle or Black, Black Eagle. Eagle Arrows and Dart and Great Man good Christian guy um, doing things for the right reasons. We're going to shoot his stuff all the time. Seth over at Sirius, we shoot his stuff all the time. So we're going to do those setups just so we can test our own product. Alex shoots a different bow than I do. Ryan shoots a different bow, different setup. So, but again, it's about consistency. And I think Ryan would tell you the same thing. He's not going to switch because I keep telling him that he's a sissy for not shooting 300s, but (laughs) he he can go with what he's comfortable with. (laughs) Any rebuttal there, Ryan? I was thinking uh, I could rebuttal him all day. We've had this argument a hundred <laughs> times, I think. Um, yeah, I think he's right. I, I, when it comes down to it, do I? Well, I go down the FOC train with guys 100%. And because I know I can see the science, the archery science, like you said, the archery science. It's true. It really is. But um, am I still a, a am I still a 525 to 485 guy? Yeah, I am because that's where I'm comfortable and that's what I like. And that's where, that's where I like hitting dimes. And I, I, yeah, that's where, that's what I love. Are you guys more carbon or steel or for the arrow? So the shaft itself? Carbon. Yeah. Are you shooting uh, the one, the 10 mils or two mil? No. What are they? The two. Two. He's shooting the two. I'm shooting the four. Yeah. Okay. I've been using twos lately. Yeah. I have, I have the four. Yeah, there's there's something to be said about the the consistency. Like I I we're both the same way. Like I have a rifle set up and I have that rifle set up so that I can I can hunt whitetail. I could also take it out west and hunt elk if I wanted to with it. I don't I don't want to have to worry about changing a setup. At most, I might change the cartridge, double check zero, and then head in the field. Same thing with with my bow or my shotgun. Maybe swap out a uh, a choke. Maybe swap out field points. Shoot a few. Make sure it's it's good to go, and then and hit the field. I don't want to have to change my setup and do a new build a build for every single season. It's just, especially you know, I mentioned earlier, three kids. You know, it's more equipment. That's that's more stuff I got to swap out and figure. I, I just I, it's too much. Uh, simplicity and like you said, taking out all those unnecessary variables that can have have a, a negative effect on a hunt. Just get rid of them. And I mm-hmm. think the consistency is a huge part of that. Do you guys also, I was wondering about the vented versus non-vented. Do you guys build them in a way and test them to check for sound, or you just you just go with it and you're like, oh, these don't make a lot of noise? Man, they're going to make me answer this. I think this is probably the <laughs> second or third time I've had this conversation. And Alex will jump in here because she is so right. Um, I can hear them, like downrange. That's one thing, like we're talking about, like, um, what's the one thing in your head that you don't want? When I'm full draw, like, I do not want to be able to hear my arrow. Yeah. And our, our guy, like ours make noise downrange. They do. Is there science behind that? Yes. Should we look into that? Yes. But out West, there's some guys that are shooting a lot of vented heads and they love those things because of deflection. Right. Yep. So I can't like, there's science behind that too. So yes. Can you hear them? Could we probably do some more engineering behind that? We know some guys that can probably look at those vents and probably get less. And that's something we should probably do. Well, I just look at it because. I can't he really I if I put the microphone at the target and I'm shooting 50 yards I can pick it up on the microphone but I personally can't hear it. I also have shit hearing so you're almost deaf. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter but um I have noticed that people that are shooting longer range are running the vented which is longer range just the longer it's in the air so you know how many feet per second you're shooting that's a long time to be whistling. So I wonder if, depending on the animal you're hunting, if how much it really even matters. But, yeah, what's your answer, Alex? Well, I was just going to say it goes back to personal preference, too, just like with everything else. Like, we do see a lot of our guys and field staff guys out in um, California and Arizona wanting to shoot those vented heads, and they're shooting, like, Bill Title, our pro staffer. What's he shooting, Ryan? Like, 
70 to 100 yards. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 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 So, and that's his preference. He likes the vented head and it shoots well and, and yeah. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. And is it at the end of the day, is it the is it the head that's going to make him spook, or is it the string jump, or is it you know they're up in the tree talking during half these filming shows, and the deer doesn't know they're there, and that's a higher yeah. decibel than what the arrow's flying at. So I don't know. As long as the deer tips over, I don't care if he hears it coming or not. <laughs> yeah, I'm on that three hundred. It's whistling. It sounds like a freight train. <laughs> Jeff, we don't make a three hundred grain vented for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> That would be bad. You got to see my setup. It's 686. It's on a 250. It looks like a lawn dart on the front. I mean, it's a great big massive thing on the front with this skinny little arrow and then fletchings on it. It's just, it looks bad flying through the air. So are you still on a three to one ratio with that or no? No, I, I, we laugh about that. What am I running them 20, 28 or 29%? Something like He's got that. so much FOC. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but the funny thing is I went from a 150 to a 300 and I tell Ryan this all the time. And I'll show him all the time, but I didn't change my pens out to 60 yards. Not at all. Wow. You just guess or it just yeah. flies the same. I just put my pen on there. I pull back, I shoot it and it, I rip my fletchings off. They hit so close. And you know, Daryl Barnett's one of our guys that we work with. He, they call him rocket man. And, he always says, I can drop a BB and a bowling ball at the same time. They fall at the same rate. He says, until you start losing that energy and you're not, you're losing some by 60 yards, but not enough to take it off target. Everybody will tell you, oh, you got so much weight. It's going to be like a lawn dart. And again, you can talk all day. Just show it to me in action. And I'm shooting 300s off the same pins. I shot 150s and no issue. And the flight's and good. I Have you done like slow-mo to see how much the shaft is bending or torquing or anything like that? No, I just, no, I haven't, I haven't done any of that, but I shoot, it hits the same spot and I can, I can show you pictures of dead animals. So that's all that matters. Right? <laughs> yeah. You can, you can show me all your slow bow video, but it's hard to mount that on the wall. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I've always been, Gus knows I've always been, I just recently started going lighter. I've always been a heavier guy. Always. It's just, I just figured with that much, I mean, I don't really know the difference between kinetic inertia and and force behind the arrow, but you know, whatever that science is, I've always figured the heavier it is, the, the same amount it's coming off the, the string at 80 pounds. So that's 80 pounds pushing it. The heavier it is, maybe the harder it'll go through. And I think for the most part, that's probably pretty true, but I don't know about flight path or anything. You know, I'm not that deep in the woods. I just, I, I just wanted to throw a heavy, heavy shit down range and see what it hits and what happens <laughs> to the other side. That's the army talking. Yeah, that's the army in me. <laughs> I'm shooting 22 calibers out of a howitzer. Right? Yeah, and I'm trying to launch one of five fives out of a out of a mortar head. So, uh, what do you guys? Did you guys uh, observe anything this year at a, at ATA in the uh, in the broadhead space that you were you were impressed with or, or that that took? took, took Oh man, words this morning. Good lord, uh, that took you by surprise. Also, thank you for offering to get us in ATA. That was very kind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know, Ryan. You you walked around a lot and talked with a lot of different companies there. We we had a great turnout to our booth and had a good time introducing our new products, which were the one twenty five and one seventy five grain premium single bevels. So just expanding our single bevel line. So now it's one hundred to three hundred grain. And we've seen some great success from that and trying to offer a little bit of something for everyone. Um, but yeah, we had a great, great time at the ATA this year. Um, as far as on the new side of stuff, I'm not really, I didn't really see anything that I was like, oh, that's kind of cool or that's kind of cool. Um, when it comes to like, I think maybe, how do I say this, Jeff? <laughs> I think for me, um, in a nice way, like ATA is doing something wrong. Like there's like, whether it's like 
getting the public in on one day or something like that, like something's missing there. And we need, like the ATA needs to figure that out. It seems like it's getting smaller, smaller and smaller. I mean, the big names, Matthews, Hoyt, those guys aren't coming. You know, if we're really going to grow this industry, um, we got to come together a little more. You know, you can say what you want about the NRA. I'm definitely pro NRA guy, but they've got a way to get, draw more people in. And I don't know what it is with the, and I'm not even going to say it's the ATA, it's the archery group of, um, we seem a lot more fragmented and maybe not as inventive. Um, see a lot of things that come up like, hey, look at this brand new, even like our our uh, single bevel. We're not the first ones to come out with it. It's new to our product line. We think we have a better single bevel than others, but it's not revolutionary, right? It's still a fixed piece of metal flying up there. The way we cut it's different, but um, just doesn't seem like there's a lot of new inventive, you know, just get you super excited. I'm super excited because I love the industry and love shooting bows, but yeah, I don't know that anything really caught my eye while we were there. You guys have the, the front tip of yours is different, right? That jagged piece? Is that more of like... Tip. A, we're chisel tip on our single that's bevel. That's right, chisel tip. Yeah. And I, that's I, that's one of the reasons I'm thinking about going to single over there. You said your chisel tip on double or single? Single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons I was... Because I was like, pretty sure I was looking at singles. Yeah. and Because I, I like the look of it. And I think that the corkscrew that it's going to do is going to push it even harder with a chisel tip. As opposed to Agreed. like a pyramid. So so everybody, so you guys are running a lot of this. And I think I agree with the, I see a lot with the archery thing as we see in the bourbon company where people, or the bourbon industry, mm-hmm. where people come up with stuff or they, they're like, well, this is my brand and this is what I care about. And they're not really interested in learning anything else or being, being able to touch a bunch of different things. But it's, it's not good that the, that ATA is kind of dying down. I wonder if it's also the economy. I mean, it's just people are, everybody's broke right now i think <laughs> well do you want to go political now or is that a different podcast <laughs> hey if it's relevant to archery we don't mind we don't mind politics we usually stay away from politics and religion but if it's relevant to uh to the topic yeah absolutely it has it has a point to it i think i think the thing that i'm hoping that covid and politics and all this crap is showing is that man america first whether that's a political statement or not for it here, make it here, sell it here. Doesn't mean we've got great customers all over the world, but we built this country based off good industrial ethical, you know, morals. And let's just keep that going. It's just the way to be. And um, unfortunately, everybody's chasing that dollar, and I get it. But is the dollar worth selling your soul to the Chinese group, bringing it in or wherever it's coming from. That's not made in America. And is the quality there? And are you doing it for the right reasons that your consumers are getting a good value for the buck they're putting because dollars are harder to come by inflation's up. You know, you got to guys are really going to have to choose this year, guys and gals, you know, my, where am I going to hunt? How much can I afford on tags? What am I going to hunt? What kind of gear can I get? Can I upgrade? Can I not upgrade? We're trying to keep that price point right where it needs to be. So we're not seeing, we're seeing increases. So some of those we pass on, some we don't, but, and voting matters, you know, and that's my political piece of voting matters. Four years ago, we didn't have this inflation. Four years ago, you didn't have Washington state outlawing some of your first amendment rights, second amendment rights. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Voting matters. Make sure that when you, when you do it, it affects your pocketbook that affects your, your discretionary spending. Yeah. For sure. And I can also see it in the in the eye of the consumer where people will we learned this lesson a long time ago. We 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 were we had a different company and we were always about quality, making quality product at the best price we can do a quality product. Well it's like if that if that quality item was fifty dollars, but you could get a similar item. A similar item made in China with less quality for ten, people are gonna spend ten dollars instead of fifty. That's just what they're gonna do. And it's 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 but that doesn't deter us from how we operate and run. It's like, it's okay that you don't want to spend the money on our product. That's fine. You don't want to pay for us to come do a whiskey class. You want the guy that's going to come in and do it his way. It's like, that's fine. You know what you're paying, you're paying for what you get mm-hmm. at the end of the day. 
And that's one of the things that I saw in this company. That's why when, when Alex, when you reached out about doing a podcast, I was like, absolutely. I'd love to sit down and talk about it because I believe in your product. I believe in the reason that you're doing it. And I, and I really truly believe that some of the best broadheads you can buy. And you, go ahead. When we had them, when, when COVID hit, it wasn't us calling somebody else to make our ferals. They called us yep. and they wanted to make them here until they could get supply from there. So mm-hmm. again, they're they're more worried about the dollar than protecting the consumer. It's you have yeah, a one right here in our shop in Fort Wayne, where we're at, Fort Wayne, Indiana. So that's where all of our all of our machining's done. All of our products get sent out to our customers from here to our dealers from here. Um, got a ton of machines out there and a ton of employees that really make a great team for us, and we we all enjoy working together and being able to you know support American manufacturing. Yeah. And so you guys, you turn your ferals, I'm guessing with a lathe and then does it go into for milling? Is it like a shaper or a broaching machine or, or what, what are you putting it in next? Tell him Ryan. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so he said, he said, tell him Ryan. So first oh, I thought off, he said home lathe, grind. Right? I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> that would take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and then they go in um, a milling machine with, um, it's a three op, right? Up, down, left, right, and then they have also um, indexers on them. That way, we can get that fourth access to do everything that way. And then they go back in the lathe. That way, we can actually do the threads and the ferrule. Cool. Uh, so everything stays concentric, concentric the whole way through. That way, we have no run out whatsoever on a broadhead. And it's just super cool. Blank steel chunks that you're getting and and throwing uh, them in a hopper and running it. That's kind of crazy, right? It's bar stock, and every uh, broadhead, believe it or not, starts out as right at 7,000 grains or one pound. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of waste. It is. <laughs> the recycle guys love us. I bet they do. <laughs> waste is yeah. investment. There's a lot of investment into a head. <laughs> yes. Get a beautiful head at the end. The fly well. <laughs> Perfection costs. That's true. That's true. Yeah, well, that goes, I mean, you know, you, you talked earlier about uh, you know, your your consumer is not necessarily that person that's looking for, you know, a bargain broadhead that they can. And we, we figured out the same thing um, after that uh, company we'd, we'd had and then starting this company. Um, we don't need to, we don't need to change what we're doing or how we're doing it. We just need to find the right clientele and they're out there. You just have to market and, fi- and figure out who they are uh, and get the product and, and, and what you have to offer in front of those people um, as opposed to. You know, like you said, chasing a dollar and things like that, and you know the way you're making your broadheads and and sticking with with quality um, you know, over you know, over profit is a uh, you know speaks largely not just to the to the the quality of your product, but to the character of your your brand and, and and the company that you guys have. So, and you have a good reputation on the street. It's like you always wonder. You don't. I mean, sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't know what your reputation is. But like, it's if. If we say anything about it, usually somebody knows what it is, or we've been reached out, or somebody will like a post or be like, "Oh, I have those same broadheads," or "I have the you know great company." But that's also that's Alex. That's some of your job. But, but as a marketing side of it, what's some of the issues that you see? I mean, you're essentially selling weapons, so it, it's not easy. So, what's some of those troubles that you, or the struggles that you have in the industry just trying to move the products through marketing? Yeah, I guess just like going off what you're saying, the struggle there with the whole weapons piece is a lot of the online and digital marketing. We've been banned from different social media apps just from posting pictures of our product and links to our website. Um, We've been called barbaric by by LinkedIn at one point. yeah, we've we've kind of just had to keep fighting that uphill battle with the different social media platforms and and what they deem as acceptable and and what kind of stuff they allow that maybe shouldn't be on there. But um, outside of that, our customers are really just our biggest our biggest supporters and and word of mouth marketing is what's gotten us to where we are today. And we just let our product speak for itself and and keep pushing our main points made in the USA, reliable you know, machined out of one solid piece. And, and those points really just speak for us. Yeah. And we get that we're, we're banned pretty much everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's hunting and alcohol. And then if I post a picture of a pistol, like shut it down for a month, I mean, no engagement, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Lose yeah. monetization status, like instantly. Yeah. Within the first year, within the first four or five months of starting this brand, we had, uh, we had our ability to, 
to promote, you know, do pay promotion on Facebook and Instagram was, was restricted and taken away from us within, within the first four months. Uh, no explanation, no real, um, no, no real, you know, communication as to why just you guys broke too many rules without telling us what rules <laughs> we broke. Um, and there's it, really no repeal process. And they, they use a lot of AI and things to to flag certain keywords, you know. So we're, we're at a we're we're already in an uphill battle with the name whiskey and whitetails. Um, and then the, the fact that we make products made out of bourbon barrels, uh, having the word bourbon in our description doesn't help. Um, so yeah, we totally get we totally get the struggle for sure. How about you, uh, Ryan? As far as like sales, like what's what's some of the struggles in sales in the industry? I think the the main struggle that we used to have was not having enough product. Um, that was a struggle, but we're fighting. We fought that really hard this year, even in the last year towards this year, where we we just capital invested, right? That's what we've got to do if we want to make born broadheads. We got to be able to put put our put it out there, and we are like it's something that Jeff and I are really like concerned about. How 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 can we make sure that we're not running on broadheads and Hopefully this is the first year that doesn't happen. I keep like crossing my fingers thinking this is going to be the first year where I do not run out of one single broadhead. Um, Cause we want guys to get them. Like we want them to uh, be able to have them in hand by the time they're ready to hunt. That's you, the one struggle we've had in the past. Go ahead. Are you stocking shelves too, or is it all online? We're stocking shelves too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a big demand then. Yeah. Too bad you can't turn your camera around, right? And show them the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Alex would have to come in here and show me how to do that. I'm not neat <laughs> enough. So Alex's camera and yeah. then you can see it. I'm also the IT person. I know I just have to yeah, work around all that kind of stuff. Alex, come fix my printer. Yeah, <laughs> Alex is probably going to put red here, but Alex, I've known Alex since, yeah, probably before Alex knew Alex. Known her her whole life. Um, friends with her dad and a year ago, a little over a year ago, I called her. She's Graduated from Purdue, smart as a whip, um, easy to get along with, hard worker. Brought her in, and her first two days we had her at the ATA. Nice. So, you know, nothing like here's your cement shoes and swim. And she has jumped into it and been our biggest advocate and knows the lingo, knows, shoots a bow, understands how they fly, has dug into it. So we were definitely blessed to have her on our team and part of the group. And just she keeps us straight, too. She She's like our younger mom. You know, <laughs> you guys have this meeting. Don't be late. And you said you'd do this, and she keeps us on our toes. So, can't say enough about keeping her there, keeping her, keeping us straight, and having her on the team. Well, that's good, and it's good that she can wear multiple hats. Yeah, nothing like uh, starting drinking from a fire hose, as I like to say. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, but we have a lot of fun too. We like we like what we do, and and we like being able to help people. And we're always getting customer pictures back all the time. And every day, get Ryan's always talking with customers on the phone, and it's just fun. People, I mean, this is their passion, and this is our passion, so it's fun to be able to do that every day. Yeah, you, know, you, you talked a little bit about that whole AI thing and Facebook and that, and then ATA. That's what I'd like to see when you talk about what's new and inventive. I'd like to see the archery group, and we're part of that, so we own part of that, and we're doing it. Um, stand up. I'm tired of being, you know, kicked off LinkedIn. I, I went all the way to the CEO of LinkedIn. He ignored me, had a phone call with one of their people saying, you guys are barbaric. I'm glad that we we blocked you out. I wish you weren't even on there. We've got banks. <clears throat> we, we're self-funded. We don't, you know, we don't have any leverage over us. But when we do talk to banks, we got banks that won't talk to us because we sell weapons. So when you when you talk about AI and what words they censor, I'm afraid they censor freedom. I'm afraid they censor American. I'm afraid they censor anything related to religion. You know, at the end of the day, we're consumers of all that. We need that common voice from sportsmen, from, you know, we've got a veteran walking around today that we're trying to team with. That he can't sell his products because he's labeled that way. He's a veteran. He went and, and put his life in front of his his personal ambitions to protect our country, and we we limit what he can say. I mean, let's stand up as a group. And everybody yeah. says, "Well, we're the silent majority." Let's not be the silent majority. Every person just if you just hold your spot, your one spot as one person, and we all did that. We're a front nobody can get through, and it's not a threat. It's nothing like that. But damn, I'm tired of people taking away my freedoms. 
I'm, I'm tired of it. We still live in the best nation in the whole world. Let's get united around that and just, you know, quit getting censored. You guys are great Americans. This country is built on whiskey and white tails and bows. And why should we be ashamed of that? And if they're ashamed, pack your shit and move out. I don't care, but this is what we're built on. You know, we're accommodating, but I don't have to take your fallacy or your illusion to make that my reality. Yeah. And the first time I realized that was when I was in Afghanistan and I was sitting there and this, that Megan trainer song came out all about that base. Are you familiar with that song? I am at least. Okay. I've heard it, but that song came out and I'm in Afghanistan and I, and I told my wife, I was like, what happened? What happened to my country? Like, <laughs> this is the kind of music we're making. You know, we went from the stuff from the eighties, nineties. And now like what's popular today is some girl singing about her ass. And, and it's like, yeah, it pissed me off. And I kind of, it's like, as soon as I got back, I started to see things that were just, and now it's worse than ever. I mean, it, but he knows he tries to keep me in line because I'm, I'm not like that. It's like, I'll, I'll pretty much say what's on my mind. And luckily he edits the podcast. And so we'll, we'll have two hour conversations and I'll see the episodes like 34 minutes. <laughs> Cause it's like, we don't want to get banned for, for going off the deep end. You're going to edit off Jess soapbox right there. No, no, absolutely time. not. Nope. That's staying in. <laughs> yeah. No. It's important. Here's People should. You, here's the one that you might want to edit, but I'll just story how it is. So you can think you're a cat. You can think you're a Buffalo. You can think you're, you know, a piece of peppermint. I don't care. I don't have to believe that you can have this illusion but just because you have that illusion doesn't mean I have to believe it. And if I have to believe it, then science, truth, and common sense are right out the window. There's only two genders. God decides what they are. It's 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 not a choice, right? So get all that out and quit diluting our whole way it is. We love you, and I'll, I'll welcome whoever wants to come in. I'll have those discussions. I'll treat you great. We'll all treat you great. But at the end of the day... Come on, don't don't make your illusion my reality, and then hold me to it. That's just not how it is. My thought on that is pretty much with everything. It's like I don't I don't care that you're, you know, you like mechanical broadheads. Like it's okay. I love you the same. <laughs> you're not just just quit trying to shove it down my throat. That you that mechanical broadheads are better. You know. So yeah. I, I I get you there. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, that we don't have to cut that out because, like like Matt said, I think it applies across the board. Whether it's Whatever your religion is, whatever your orientation is, you know, whatever broadhead you like, whatever kind of beer you like to drink, I, I really don't care. As long as you don't infringe on my rights and my personal liberties, we can sit and talk talk about whatever you want to talk about. We can agree to disagree, and we can just, you know, operate on the level playing field that we're, we're Americans. We have the freedom to, to make these choices and have these beliefs, and that's what makes this country great, is that we can actually sit in a room or on a podcast and agree or disagree on these things, and none of us are at risk of being thrown off a building, being stoned to death, or having our family thrown into prison uh, for my political beliefs. You know, People want to say that this is not the greatest country on earth, uh, but you go to any other country in the world and ask them where, where they'd like to go, and 90% of the 95, 99% of the time, they're, they're telling you they want to go to America. It's changed a lot in the past uh, two years or so. You start seeing comments on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever, and they're like, well, that's America for you, just violence and, and not making any sense. But to put it back to the issue with social media and stuff, it's like that, that's basically what they're doing is they're saying this is our way or the highway. If you don't do what we think is acceptable, we're not going to allow you on our platform. We're not going to allow you to monetize. We're not going to allow you to have a voice. And it's – it's frustrating because that, unfortunately social media is kind of, that's how you market these days. That's that's how you get the word out about your product. Unless you have great customers and you have people that want to have you on a podcast and, and try to promote it to new people. And yeah, it's the a tough world. Thing, the funny thing is once that we made a post about it, Hey, LinkedIn's taking us down. They said we're barbaric. They won't give us any answers and, and whatever. And it started to get traction. Then we get reinstated and, and people start to make a fuss at LinkedIn and they're tagging them and saying, why are you doing this? Then they switch their tune because they're getting that negative publicity. So yep. yeah, it's just interesting to, to experience that. I'll say Bradley Trail from Go Wild really jumped on that bandwagon and helped us out and put a voice out there and got us some coverage. And still we, we, we got censored and, um, and some of it will. I mean, that whole talk we just had, I, I get it. If it's it's taken out and it's, 
maybe it's not for public consumption that way because it's just my opinion, but why are we giving up those freedoms? We're the greatest country and people want to come here because we have those freedoms. But yet, just like you said, and I'm not, I'm not dissing on you, but to say that social media, you have to do this yet. You don't have to give up your freedoms. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to condone what they're doing. We just need to elect people that will hold them accountable to not censor us. I mean, you go back, I'm a history buff. You go back and even England, all that, they they didn't let information come from the States back to England when we became a country because they censored it. Hitler censored it. I mean, Mussolini censored things. Is that where we're going? You know, why are we being censored? You don't have to, we can agree to disagree and then go have a beer afterwards. Yeah. You know, we don't have to fight, but I don't know. It's a longer, different podcast than part <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. It's, it's it's related though, and it's relative. Yeah, and it's you know, it used to always be that way where you could just have a conversation with somebody, and and it's not a big deal. It's all right. All right, now let's go get some dinner. We're done talking about that. But it's even like at home life. You know, there's the topics. The wife and I just we've been married 13 years, and there's things that I hope I said that number right. <laughs> Maybe it's 14. <laughs> uh, but there's topics that we just know, like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. And we don't. And for we have a great happy marriage because there's things that we just we disagree on because we're two separate human beings. And, uh, and you know, that's not normal anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame. It'd be pretty uh, – my wife and I are the same way. I think uh, any friendship or relationship would be pretty boring if you agreed on everything. Oh, you yeah. didn't have someone to challenge what you think, challenge how you – your perspectives – I think that's part of having good friendships, good relationships. And so it's, it's important. Um, also having the fortitude to have that conversation and not being soft and yeah, crying yeah, yeah. about it. No, you don't agree with Well, me. and that's, I was going to say you know, about the whole social media thing. I think a lot of that, you know, and it, it goes with the, with our mainstream media as well as Americans. I, I think we've a, a large portion of our population has lost the, the willingness to think critically and research on their own. They just want to take whatever soundbite or information sort of fits in their echo chamber and, and you know, bolsters what they already believe. And, and they don't like anything that makes them uncomfortable or challenges their thoughts or beliefs. And uh, that's a problem. Even you have a, a society and an, a generation that's growing up um, thinking that way and learning that way. It's, it's dangerous for our, for, for our republic. It is, definitely. All right. That's enough of that, I think. <laughs> you, want, you want some useless information? I'll take it. Turn around right over your shoulder, above your mic. You see that bong in your barrel? Yes. The company that Ryan and his family used to own was the biggest manufacturer of those bongs. More than likely, that bong come out of Bluffton, Utah, out of their factory. Really? No shit. We got a bunch of bongs. The bung hole is our favorite part of the stave. And then that actual <laughs> stave, they're wider than the rest, so you can make a lot of stuff out of them. So the bung stave is one of our favorites. That's cool that, uh, hey, Ryan, your family probably touched this, and now I'm touching you Probably it. did. Probably did, yep. That's cool. We made a lot of bungs, yeah. Yeah, filled a lot of bung holes back in their day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> we, uh, we owe a friend a trip out to Indiana, so when we do that, I might bother you and come see you. Absolutely. We'd love to have you guys come out and – Check out the shop, and even if you want to do a podcast from here, yeah, do one yeah. with the music background. Yeah, that'd be great. Get some footage and uh, throw it up on YouTube. We're getting ready to start getting back on YouTube, I think. But I actually have some clients down there: JW Aluminum and uh, Century Aluminum, Goose Creek. Yeah, so he lives right down the road. Yeah, right? I, I drive by by the big Century plant uh, every every week, every day almost. Yep. Alex's dad used to work there. Oh wow, cool, nice. It's a cool area here. There's a little bit of everything from some of the best food in the country to Volvos. It's the, it's done here. It's uh, it's definitely growing. It's yeah. It's I don't even recognize it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's getting too big. I'm ready to go get out of here. Yeah, we're both it's looking getting... at we're, we're looking in the woods somewhere in Kentucky <laughs> or something mountains. We'll see. All right. Well, vparchery.com. You can find them everywhere at VPA Archery. Is there anything else anybody needs to know while we got you here? Yeah, we're on all the social media platforms, website. Um, like Ryan said, we've got our stel- shelves stocked up. Um, single bevels, double bevels, three blade, two blade, really anything you can want. Check it out on the website. Perfect. And uh, if, if you guys have any questions about anything that they're selling or how you can do your setup correctly, 
Ryan's the guy to call, and uh, he will put you in touch with it. And you can go ahead and bother <laughs> Alex while you're at it. Shoot an email, shoot a message over on social media, and she can help get you in touch with people if you need it. So awesome. Well, Alex, Ryan, Jeff, thank you guys for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to coming to see you here soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Thank yep, you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks. That's it. Yeah. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment.